the, the people of God. This is in the Old Testament. And if you know the, the story of the Old Testament, there was a certain group of people that God had, had called out to be His. The, the Israelites, the nation of, of Israel, you had Israel and Judah and and you had a, a, a covenant that God had made with them that as long as you serve me, then I will be your God. I will bless you. I will um, be with you wherever you go. I will even not just bless you, but I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you and, and I'll be there with you. But but let's get in a, a covenant agreement where where you serve me, you will you will follow me. You will hear my words and abide by them. And, and we see then as we, as we read through the story of this nation, of these people that they, they weren't so good at following through on their ends of the deal. And God is a very patient God. We see the God of the Old Testament. We, we see the fire and the brimstone and all these things and we think, Man, God was an angry, angry God, but he was very patient. And this is the same, same God that we serve today, but, but God, he, he was a very patient God. There was so many times where there were hundreds of years where this people who was supposed to be worshiping God, they were instead turning into idols and they were worshiping the idols and they were uh, going to the, the, the gods of the people of the Amorites and those that were living around them and they would take unto themselves these gods of the people that were surrounding them and they, they were not so good at following through on their end of the covenant and because of that there eventually came a time where God did allow Babylon and then eventually the Syrians to, to come in and to hold these people in captivity. And they lived and they were dispersed to the east towards Babylon and towards Syria. And, and these people of God, they, they were taken out of their homeland, taken out of this place that uh, where was where their temple was at, where all of their ancestors were at, the place where God had sent Abraham and said, wherever your feet walk, I'll give that land to you. The place where... God told Joshua when he crossed over into the promised land, wherever you go, I'm going to be there with you and that will be your land forever. And, and yet they were dispersed. Amen. I, I believe that God's word is true, that, that when God says something, it's going to, to come to pass. I believe that, that there are times when it, it seems as though that's not the case, but that's because we're just seeing a little snippet of time. We're just seeing a little, a little portion of, of time and, and it seems as though it, you know, it's, it's not coming to fruition, but at the end, by the end of things, God's word will, every bit of God's word will come to pass. And everything in this book will come to pass. That every prophecy we see so many that have already uh, that have already happened, that have already, uh, the things prophesied have come, uh, in, in, and happened, but, but there are still things that have not come to pass. There are still things that, that are left to be done. But I believe that, 
that it is coming soon when all of these things, everything in this book will have, will have been accomplished. And, and I believe that we're living in the time where we're seeing some of these things quickly happening, quickly taking place. We live in a time right now where, um, the one world government is closer than we've ever been. A one world currency, it's, we're closer to that than we've ever been. A time where you cannot buy or sell without having access to the things in which, uh, in, in which that, that one world government has set up. That's, we're coming closer to that than we've ever been. I believe the systems are already in place where all of that could come to pass. We're talking about God's word. It will, it is forever established in heaven. It will come to pass. Remember, I believe also that there are things in our life that God wants to bring to pass. That there are things in our life. And I, and I want to speak here today just on that topic of God's word for life. And this is, this is what we have launched here today or this morning was, was this new Sunday school curriculum, which is God's word for life. But I just want to speak on very practical terms to hear this afternoon about about how do we get God's Word in my life? How do I get this to be something that I am living it out? I want God's Word to be my life. I want God's Word to come to pass in my life. I want God's Word, these things that He has promised for me, I want to see them come uh, into fruition in my life. So how do we accomplish that? How do we see that done? See, these, these people that they had been dispersed, these people who had been taken into captivity, they, they lived for generations in captivity. They lived for, uh, for 70 years in, in this, this time of captivity throughout Syria and, and Babylon and these places, and they were dispersed there. And you had young children that, that uh, they, had never been, they had never seen the promised land. They had never seen the... Uh, the place where the temple was at. They had never seen Jerusalem, but their parents and their grandparents would tell them about it. And they had dreams about what's this going to be like someday when we will go back and we will return. Anybody have, have dreams when you were young? Like dreams of what it's going to be like in your future. Anybody like, anybody grow up watching the Jetsons? And you think like, man, someday in the future, there's going to be flying cars. There's going to be crazy things that are, uh, I mean, you, you uh, are, are going all over the place. And it's, I mean, that's, it's, that's what it's going to be like someday in the future. You have so many books that have been written about the future. And, and I wonder, you know, anybody have dreams about what you thought you were going to be? Like when you were young, it's like, this is what, this is what I thought I was going to be when I became an adult. Anybody, anybody like shared or care to care to share like what you thought you were going to be? Uh, if you would have been what you thought you were going to be at maybe seven years old or ten years old, anybody want to share like like what what you thought you were going to be? Was Stokely? You thought you were going to be an engineer, and what are you? He's an engineer. Look at that. He thought it. And, and it actually happened. Sister Tina, what, what did you think that you were going to be? You thought that you were going to be a teacher. Well, what are you today? 
She's an instructional aide who is going to school to be a teacher. She's chasing the dreams of her young age. That's awesome. It's awesome, Steve. You thought that you were going to be an astronaut. Well, what are you today? Can we make this three for three? I, she's a psychologist. She's not an astronaut. But I was just talking to a young, a young boy yesterday uh, who that's uh, his, well, it's not his dream to be an astronaut, but it's his dream to work for NASA. And uh, he says, he said, I, I'm, I want to do it. I want to study space, but I'm too scared to go up into space. And, and uh, I think he's a wise 13-year-old boy that I was talking to. Amen. Anybody else? What, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Brother Joe. You wanted to be an artist. Wow. What kind of an artist? Like, just like graph, graphic, graphic art. Wow. What are you today? You are a land surveyor today that uh, you had no idea what that was when you were a young child. Well, for me, when I was growing up, uh, when I, if I look at when I was really young, um, I don't know, maybe six, seven years old, what I wanted to be at that time was a bull rider. And I have not to this day ever gotten on the back of a bull. And I probably will not ever get on the back of a bull and be a bull rider. But uh, I did have a, a lot of days where my dad would get down on all fours in, in our living room and I'd get on his back and uh, we... We had good times imagining what it was going to be like when I was older and I was going to be a bull rider. And, and I remember doing that with my boys. And, and uh, we'd, we'd get around on, the, on that living room floor and, and they'd imagine themselves one day being a bull rider. And, and I, I think of my, my boys, of you know, what, what they imagine life is going to be like when they're older. Imagine what it's going to be like and... Uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's, uh, I ask my boys, where are you going to be? And, and it may be a, um, a, a concert pianist and, uh, or, or, uh, it may be a, um, or some of the other things they wanted to be. I'm blanking now. He doesn't want to be that anymore. A librarian, a long time. He, for a long time, he wanted to be a librarian. My, my one boy did. And, and I think now at the beginning of, of the school years, uh, so many, Parents often do now. They, they write down what does your child want to be. And I think it was a teacher uh, kind of following in the footsteps of their mom. And uh, now if their mom uh, would have followed in the footsteps of what she wanted to be when she was younger, uh, it would not be a teacher. It would have been uh, somebody who was riding on the back of a garbage truck. That was my wife's desire. That was her desire when she was a young child. I don't know. It looked like a pretty cool job, I guess. <laughs> Hanging on to the back of that garbage truck as it's going down the road. You know, I can just imagine these people, these young children, being raised in Babylon, being raised in, in Assyria, and just imagining as their parents are telling them what it's going to be like when you get older. When you get older, you know, these, these promises, we have this we have this word that has been promised to us that we will be set free. We have this promise that for our life, in, in some time in our life, that we will no longer be in bondage. We will no longer be here in captivity. We will no longer be dispersed through all the nations. We will no longer be here, but we will return one day. 
And the, the imaginations of these young kids are just going and going and, and thinking about, wow, what's that going to be like? I mean, they tell me about the glory of the temple in Jerusalem. They tell me about what it's going, you know, the majesty and how beautiful this temple that Solomon built and all the gold that's overlaid these, these columns and all the, 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 the different, uh, carvings in this this beautiful beautiful temple that is there in jerusalem and in my family maybe we didn't live close enough to go to it every day but but we we would make a pilgrimage or they tell me about the pilgrimages that they would make when they would get to jerusalem and and they would see this beautiful structure and that was the place that god was at that was the place where we could go and we could meet God. And, and that was the place that we, we wanted to get to at some point in our lives. And they uh, have all of these dreams of what it's going to be like. And that day finally comes. The day finally comes when a man, a young man named Nehemiah, who was serving in the, the king's courts, the king of Syria, this man named Cyrus, King Cyrus, and and we have Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer for the king, and and he was he would come in every day, and he would present to the king his drink, and he would offer it to him, and just so happens that one day the king says, "Why are you so sad? Well, every day you you seem to be you know cheerful, but today I can tell there's something that's bothering you." And and Nehemiah was ready for that question. He knew why his countenance was fallen on that day because he'd been thinking about. Something that he had dreamt of since he was a young boy. Since he was a young boy, he had dreamt about going and visiting that beautiful temple that was in Jerusalem. But he had just gotten word that beautiful temple of his dreams was no longer a beautiful temple. But it had come and it had come, uh, began to crumble. The walls of the cities of Jerusalem begin to crumble that this beautiful place that his parents and his grandparents had told him of and and had told him one day you're going to return there he gets word of the fact that that place that was beautiful that place it's no longer what it used to be and he says it, it was bothering me and i've been thinking about this and i thought you know what is it gonna be like when we go back because i believe we're gonna go back and he tells the king you know if you could just send somebody there to repair all that. If you could just do that, I know that you could. I know that you have the power. This is the place that, that you, it's part of your kingdom. And you could send somebody and the king says, how about I send you? Nehemiah, how about I send you? In fact, not only am I going to just send you to go and to repair this beautiful city that, uh, that you call your ancestors home, but I'm going to make a decree that I will uh, furnish everything that you need to rebuild those city walls. I will uh, give everything that you need to rebuild this temple that you speak of. And the king, he sent a decree that day with Nehemiah. Nehemiah got together a group, a crew of people that would go. And so they went to Jerusalem. They went there and they began to rebuild this place of their dreams. And it was sad though. It was sad to see the state of something that they had thought of as being so beautiful. Something that, that they had been told that this is the place where God dwells. 
This is the place where all of scripture points to. God's word rests here. That this is the place where things come alive in our life. Where our spirit can come alive. This is the place where God is at. This is the place where God promised us that we would be blessed and that we would bless those that are around us. This is the place where God said that we will multiply and, and begin to, to, uh, to affect everything, every corner of the earth because we are his people. This is the place. This is the place. And when they get there, I want to turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter 8. And we began to see this man, this man, Ezra, who had been part of the company of those who had returned with Nehemiah. Now, there is a, a book of Ezra in, in your Bible, and that is, that is written by this man who is mentioned here in, in this book of Nehemiah. Ezra tells us in, in that book of Ezra, it says that Ezra, uh, this is Ezra 7.10, that says that Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. This is a young man who he had prepared himself. He had dug into the word of God and, and there was something that came alive in him and he had prepared himself to seek the law of the Lord, to do it, and then to teach Israel about these things that God would have them to do. And so we see in, ne- in Nehemiah chapter 8, we see... This man, Ezra, began to stand up in the midst of all this uh, heap of ruins, this heap of, of this, this uh, temple that has been destroyed. And, and uh, we see him in, in beginning in verse 1. I just want to read. It says that all the people, they gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. They spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest, he brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh, seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand the ears of the people, they were attentive to the book of the law. Okay? They began hearing the word of God and it's beginning to come alive to them. This is something they had not heard before. This is something that for generations had gone silent in the lives of the people of God. The word of the law of Moses or the word of God. Verse 4. Ezra, the scribe, he stood upon a pulpit of wood. Which they had made for the purpose. And beside him there stood these men, Mattathiah, Shema, and uh, Aniah, Urijah, Hilkiah, Messiah, and on his right hand, on his left, Padeah, Michelle, Malchiah, Hashan, all these men that I should have just skipped a while ago. Verse 5, Ezra, he opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and when he opened it, the people, they stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and the people, they answered, and they said, Amen, amen, with lifting up their hands. This sounds like a worship service. This sounds like 
in a Pentecostal church service that all of a sudden they get into the word of God and the people start saying, amen. I agree with you, preacher. I hear what you're saying. I haven't heard something like this before. This is applying to my life. This is something that gets me excited. This is something I'm hearing some promises that have been passed down maybe from generation to generation and they told me about it, but you're opening up the very first source material that's handed down from God Almighty to say that you will be my people. You will be a blessed people and I will come and make you alive. And he begins to get into the word of God and they say, wow, I haven't heard it said quite like this. They start lifting up their hands. They bowed their heads. They worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Joshua, Banny, all these men, they, uh, they caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So in verse 8 it says that they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and they gave the sense and they caused them to understand the reading. All these men that I, I skipped over in the reading, they, they, it says that they came alongside this man Ezra and they began to disperse throughout the people. They went all throughout the people. They were standing there as he's reading the word. But, but then they began to disperse throughout the people. And they helped the people to understand what's going on. They helped them. And, and we're gonna, uh, I'm not going to continue here. But it, it continues on. And it tells of some things that began to come to light. Because of the understanding of getting into the word of God. Some things that began to change in the lives of the people. And they began rejoicing. Because the God's word began to apply some things to their life. That they, says, that they said, wow. You mean God's word is telling me to go and to do this? God's word? It's telling me that I need to, to make this kind of a change. I, I've talked, if you've been around here very, very long, I've, I talk a, quite a lot about being a disciple of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus is somebody who is willing to allow God to change the things that matter to us. It's somebody who is willing to allow the word of God to change us when we read something that differs from how we're living our life today. And so these are some individuals that as they dug into the word of God, they said, I look at my life and I look at what you're trying to tell me and you're teaching me. And it's not just what, what Ezra's teaching me from behind the wooden pulpit. But as these men come down and they begin to instruct the people one on one in family groups, in small groups. They began instructing them in the word of God. They began to see some things come alive in their life. And they see God's word applies directly to me. And in fact, I need to change some things about how I'm living. I need to change some things. Why would I do that? Why would I change these, this way of my life? Why? Because there is something powerful about beginning to allow the word of God to sink in and to do something in how I am living. And then when I line up to his word, I can receive every blessing of God. I can receive every promise of God. I can see the things in my life begin to come into alignment. And where I used to have all this stress and anxiety, now I have peace. 
Now I lay my head to rest and I'm no longer worried about the sinfulness and all these broken relationships and all these things I've been doing. But I see God's word coming to life in me and it's transformed me and it's changed me. And I see the goodness of the Lord come alive in me because of his word. Amen. We need to get a love for the word of God. We need to get a love for the word of God. We see Ezra here as he's coming to them in this midst of of realizing that their dreams, everything that they hoped for, wasn't quite adding up to what they they had always thought it was going to be. You always... Maybe, maybe pictured in your mind or, or at some point in your mind when you, when you came into this relationship with God, you always pictured that, you know what, I'm gonna be this model example of a Christian or I'm gonna be somebody who is, uh, who, who is gonna be, uh, digging into the Word of God. And at some point in our life, there, there comes some things that, that begin to, to, to come in and, and take the place of the most important things. Other, Things in life begin to take the place of, of what truly matters, which is allowing the everlasting word to come into our life, to allow this to begin to instruct us instead of the news that we, that we turn on every morning and we, we allow that to begin to sink in before we allow the good news to sink in. And we, we allow Facebook and, and all the memes on Facebook that, that are shared, we say we believe that over we, over believing this right here. Well, my theology cannot be cannot be built on what we see on Facebook. My theology can't even be built on the things that I just happen to come across on YouTube. My theology and my understanding of who God is and what God wants for my life comes from my study of the Word of God. And the Word of God says to study to show yourself approved. It tells me that I can't just rely on somebody else, but I need to study to show myself approved. I need to be a workman who is, who is meet, who is able to go and to, to accomplish this, this, this thing that would allow God's word to transform me, to change me. Let me be that workman. Let me be the one who is studying. Let me be the one who is allowing God's word to come to life. God's word is life. God's word is life. Let me tell you that again. God's word it will come to life in you and it will bring life like you have never experienced before. If you truly allow the richness of God's word to begin to seep into your daily routine and allow his word to come alive. Come on, you can say, well it's dry. I don't. It, it puts me to sleep if I I try to read it right before I go to bed. This is the most precious gift that you have. And if you truly set your mind to it to say, Lord, let this word which you say is alive, which you say is, is sharper than any two-edged sword that can pierce to the dividing asunder of the thoughts in the heart and the things in my mind, God, then I want that, Lord, to be as it says it is, Lord, when I pick it up today. And so pray and say, Lord, let it come alive when I read your word today. Come on, let the word of God begin to change you and transform you. God's word is life. We need God's word for life. We see the change that began to take place when Ezra and these, these men who were surrounding him, they, well, Ezra starts it out by just getting up and, and in a large crowd, just like we are today, he begins sharing the word of God. And they begin worshiping. They're clapping their hands. They're standing up. They're saying, wow, I haven't heard it like this before. I need to change some things. 
And then the men come, they disperse, and they, they, they come together, and they're, they're gathering together, and they're saying, hey, let's, let, we, let's, let's study this out, let's study this out, let's study this out. And they see these things that are changing. And if we continue on in verse 18 of that same chapter, it says that day by day, from the first day unto the last day, he read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast for seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according to the manner. That every day they were getting into the word of God. Every day they were studying the word of God. Every day they were allowing the word of God to come into their lives. Every day, every day, every day, every day. God's word was something that they got into every single day. Not just on that day when they came to the temple. Not just on Sunday. Not just on Wednesday. Every day they got into the word of God. And God's word came alive and was revealing things to them. Helping them in their daily life. Now verse 1. It, it, in, this, in the original this was not uh, broken up into chapters. So let's just continue on. Verse 1 of chapter 9. It says, In the twenty and fourth day of the month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloth and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all the strangers, and they stood and they confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. Why are they doing this? Why are they so saddened? Why are they so distressed? It's because as they got into the word of God, they began to see their true selves. They began to see who they really were and that they needed to make some changes in their lives. And not just them, but they began to pray for the whole nation. They began to pray for a whole change that went abroad. And they said, let us take this seriously. Come on, we need somebody that would take the word of God seriously seriously enough to say God I need this to change I need some change in my life God I need to make the change God I'm ready to make the change God I promised you and I thought about it and I thought maybe I'd be there one one day but God I'm ready to make the change today come on are you ready to make the change this is what I was talking about when you were younger maybe a younger Christian and you thought you know I'm gonna be good I'm going to get into the Word of God. Let's make the change today. Let's make the change today. Let's be the one who you imagine that you would be. Let's be the one that, that you know, I don't want to be like the church that, that left their first love. God, bring back the first love that I had. God, bring back that initial burning desire that I had for you. Come on, and that happens when we get into the Word of God. It says that they confess their sins. Their iniquities of the fathers. They stood up in their place. And they read in the book of the law. Of the Lord their God. One fourth part of the day. In another fourth part. They confessed. And they worshipped the Lord their God. See the love. That they had for what. Was transpiring. What was coming to life in them. For a whole fourth of the day. They they are reading and they're, they're studying God's word. And then we see they, they begin to, to worship God because of what they just read for another fourth of the day. And they're there and they're, they're worshiping God. Six hours. Six hours. They stood up upon the stairs of the Levites. Joshua, Bonnie, Cadmiel, Shemaniah, Buni, Shariah, Benai, 
Chinani, and they cried with a loud voice unto the Lord their God. And then these men, it says that they stand up and they bless the Lord your God forever and ever. And they, and they said, blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Thou, even thou art Lord alone, you have made heaven, the earth, uh, the heaven and the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth, the things that are therein, the seas that is therein, thou preservest them all. You're the host of the heaven that worship. They began to worship the Lord God because the word of God came to life. I told you this morning, I want to want to focus in all day today just on getting into the word of God. About allowing this to become part of our daily routine. This needs to be more than just something that we get fed on a Sunday. This needs to be something more than what we just get on a Bible study on a Wednesday night. We need to get into the word of God. We need to allow God's word to become part of our daily diet. I cannot survive on just eating twice a week or once a week. I cannot survive on just getting this. Come on. You, you say, well, well I, I confessed my sins a long time ago. I made a commitment to serve God. Yes, but how, how has your diet been lately? Are we truly allowing God's word to come into our life on a daily basis and to show us the things that need to be changed? Are we allowing God's word to come to life on a daily basis? Now, how do we see this done? I believe that we see this done inside uh, inside the church, but we also need to see this in our homes. Studying the Word of God in our homes is absolutely essential. I believe that we, are, as an apostolic church, that we need to be just as the original apostolic church in the book of Acts. That it says that they met in the temple, but they also met in the homes. And they began to study the word of God in the homes. And we, the people of the spirit, we need to allow God's spirit to begin to be stirred up in us when we read his word. We, that happens at home, that the word of God begins to show us things inside our heart. Amen. It's, it's the word of God by which we learn to be blameless. It's the word of God by which we learn to be complete and to be whole. It's by, it's by the word of God that we learn doctrine and we, we learn what truth is real, really is. And we're not messed up, just like I talked about on Wednesday. We're not messed up by the scoffers. You're here on Wednesday. I talk about what kind of a person do I need to be? It's from 2 Peter chapter 3. What kind of a person do I need to be? It's somebody who's not swayed by all the scoffers. Not swayed by all these people that are telling me that Jesus isn't coming back. I'm not swayed by all these things that are coming my way. But I stand on the word of God. And I understand it. And I believe it. And I stand on this. And I understand that this will come to pass in my life. Amen. But we can't do that if we are not, if we are not studying it ourselves. Amen. I believe that merely just having access to this, and I, I said this on Wednesday as well, the fact that we have such ready access to this, I think somewhat in our lives makes us not think it's that important. Because we have, it never has there been a day like today where we have such easy access to the Word of God. There were generations, there were people, uh, in past generations that they were put to death 
for reading God's word. There are still people today in parts of the world that are being put to death, even today, that are being put to death for reading God's word. You better believe that they hold this as something precious. If they're willing to die for it, that they believe that this is something precious. And they would stand there and they would say, God, your word is life for me. Come on, let there be something in us that would say, God, I want this word to be life. God, I want this, God, to be life for me. Amen. But that doesn't happen unless we allow this to be a daily commitment, a daily commitment to the word of God. It's like Joshua said, he said, the book of law, it's not going to depart out of my mouth, but you will. But thou shalt meditate day and night. You should observe to do these things according to all according to all the things that are written in this book. Day and night. Let's, let's study the word of God. Let's allow this to become implanted in us. Why? For, that sh- for thou shalt make thy way prosperous and you will have good success. That's what Joshua says happens when we get into the word of God. Your way is prosperous. You will be blessed by God because you're allowing his word to lead you and to guide you. Amen. So I want to talk. So I just, just mentioned that the fact that we need to be self-studiers in our homes we need to get into the word of god but i also believe it is absolutely vital that as parents and we have some parents that are in this place today that parents are the first disciplers and we uh, we have wonderful sunday school teachers here i am so thankful for uh, our, our, our Sunday school superintendent with Mel, amen, and all, all the work that he does in, in building up our Sunday school program. I'm so thankful for every one of our teachers who gets ready uh, uh, every week to be able to teach your children, amen. But we cannot just leave it up to them. We cannot just leave this up to them to be the ones that are uh, that are teaching the word of God to our children. I, I believe that every everything everything we do is discipleship. Everything in our homes. Everything we do is discipleship. That our kids' brains, that are, they're so wired to absorb everything that's going on in their, their environment. So they're seeing, does this match up? And you're, you're discipling them. You're discipling them whether or not you want to. Because what you do teaches just as much as what you say. Amen. But we need to reinforce also with what we say. Sitting down and having a, 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 a conversations with our children, discipling them in our homes. I believe that th- there is a, a significant amount of research that indicates that children make the decision whether or not to serve God by the age of 12 years old. 12 years old. We need to prioritize shaping that decision. We need to prioritize that. That I am playing a crucial part in this next generation. And by the if they are making that decision by the age of 12, or maybe that's even younger for some, maybe a little older for others, but, but they are making this decision at a young age. And so what am I doing to reinforce the Word of God in their life and the, 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 the Word of God? How is it com- coming alive? How am I being a discipler of my children? Amen. Of course, there's a church that comes alongside to partner. There's a church, and, and this, is, this is part of, of why we are the church, that we can come alongside and we can help one another. And I'm thankful for the church. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about the building. I'm thankful for the church. 
Well, Josh, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you can sharpen me. Talks, scripture talks about iron sharpening iron, that we can come, we can be with one another. And I'm thankful that, that we do have a church and a Sunday school program that's pouring into our kids and, and in our homes. And, and we have uh, time at 10 o'clock where we can gather together here for, uh, for uh, devotion and word of God. I'm thankful for all of that. And I'm thankful for the church. And I'm thankful for the time that we can worship together. Amen. We need that. I want to encourage that. I want to encourage gathering together as the church. Amen. But we need all of these things in order for the word of God to truly shape us into what we are meant to be. Amen. I want to, I'm going to bring this to a close here real quick. But I'm going to go back into that time there in Nehemiah where Ezra has been teaching. And we have these individuals that have been meeting together from place to place, and, and it goes, and can you throw up that last, that last scripture there? I believe it's verse 32, is that right? Now therefore, verse 32, chapter 9, this is after all of this reading that they've been doing, all this time that they have been in the word of God, all this time that Ezra has brought things out, and it says that they have confessed of their sins. And now verse 32 says, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty and the terrible God who keep his covenant and mercy, let not all the troubles, troubles seem little before thee and hath come upon us on our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, on our fathers, on the people since the time of the kings of Assyria to this day. They begin going, going on. And then it says, let's, let's go to verse 38. Very last verse, because of all of this. We make a sure covenant. Now we make a sure covenant with you. And we write it. And our princes, the Levites and the priests, seal unto it. I wonder if we could just all stand in this place today. After these people in Nehemiah, after they had heard the word of God, they rejoiced about it. They gathered together. Once it's coming in a time when they realized that all of their dreams of who they thought they were going to be, of what it, things in life were going to be, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't that. In your life, you may look at it today and you say, I, I'm not in the place where I thought I would be. I'm not the person I thought that I was going to be. You know what? We can make a covenant today. We can make a covenant, a pledge to God Almighty and say, Lord, from this day forward, from this day forward, God, I will serve you. From this day forward, I will be a disciple. From this day forward, I will allow your word to change me. From this day forward, God, I will make a covenant with you to be the discipler that I need to be in my family to be the one that's pouring into my children from this day forward I'm going to let your words be a part of my daily routine part of my daily diet and you can, you can make a covenant today and in fact I want to I just read this this covenant and then I'm going to ask you if you want to come forward if you would sign a covenant such as this or if you would attest to, to coming into covenant with this 
Dear Lord, I give myself to you without reservation. And I surrender to you my will, my mind, my emotions, my body, my plans, my hopes, and my dreams. I give you my home, my marriage, my spouse, my children, my geographical location, my recreation, my entertainment, my career. God, I commit into your hands my successes, my failures, my habits, my finances, my problems, my time, my integrity, my character, my attitude, my business conduct and relationships, my my Christian walk and my response to authority. God, I am relinquishing these things to you. And I'm relinquishing the following rights to you. My right to my possessions. My right to be loved by others. My right to handle or control my addictions. God, my right to be right. My right to preserve or to presume upon what your will may be for me. My right to avoid reaping from what I have sown. My right to to beauty or strength and to change others. My right to life itself. God, Lord, I give you permission to do anything you wish with me and through me. Why? Because you are the God of all creation. You, your purpose for my life is to let your will be done. God, and I trust you. Amen. It's a commitment like this. It's a covenant like this that takes getting into the Word of God. And I'm going to add to this at the end, this covenant. Say, God, I commit to your Word on a daily basis to be part of my life. And I commit to bring your Word with me wherever I go. God, if I'm coming to church, God, I'm going to bring your word with amen that's that should be the least of where we bring i commit if you have children today i commit to getting into a routine with my children where i'm instructing them in the ways of the lord not in this covenant that i have with you i commit to daily discipleship where i'm allowing you to change the things that matter in my life and i commit to following you and following your word. Amen. If you, would, if you want to make a commitment such as that, I want to invite you to come up to this altar and just, just stand here and just say, Lord, I commit myself to you. I commit myself to your word. I commit myself to allowing this to change me just as it did the lives of the people who came into Jerusalem on that day, who they heard the word of God and it began to transform their lives the things that they thought were going to come to pass they eventually did come to pass once they heard the word of God once they committed themselves to the word of God all those dreams and those hopes and those things they wanted for their future they began to see them come and happen I mean if you want to commit yourself to the word of God if you want to commit yourself in this covenant relationship to say Lord I will allow your word to change me on a daily basis. Amen. I want to just invite you to come up right now. We're just going to end this time today, this time of commitment, where we would get into his word.
Amen. This is why we have this is why we have these devotionals that we have offered up. This is why we have the Word of God in our life, so that we can commit ourselves to allowing it to change us. Amen. Just lift up your hands all around this place. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I commit myself to you today. Jesus, let your word become alive in my life. Jesus, I need you more today than I've ever needed you. Jesus, I need your word. Uh, The person that I ought to be is not the person who I am right now. God, so let me be changed by your word. God, I commit myself to your word. I commit myself to you. God, I make a covenant today just as they made, which says, Lord, I will follow you. I will follow you. Always be